Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Welcome back. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. We are heading into week 11. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. It seems like we're still in like week six or week seven, but we're at the back half of the season. So what we're going to do tonight, today, it's five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We're here every Tuesday and every Thursday at five o'clock on Thursday. Of course, I'm with Mike McClure. But what we do today for all you new people in here, we talk about our lineups in week 10, just a little bit. We touch on that. And then we go through uh, the early look for week 11. I'm really excited about this early look. And, and honestly, I want to get some opinions from the people who are listening because I have some plays, what, what I consider to be value plays. Some will be popular, some maybe not so much that I think will, I think they're pretty good plays, but it's Tuesday, right? And so a lot of value opens up on Wednesday and Thursday, particularly Friday and Saturday. We saw a lot of that this weekend where a lot of value just you know opened up. Uh, particularly with Ezekiel Elliott going down and, and things of that nature. So I can't wait to get to the to the early look. Uh, but before we do that, I, I do want to congratulate our FFT DFS winner. It looks like it's Dober03, D-O-B-B-E-R-03. He took this tournament down with 200, almost 200 even, 200.68. We're going to get to his lineup, his or her lineup, frankly, uh, in a few minutes. But before we do that, we're, we're going to look at my cash and my GPP lineup. We're going to look at Mike's tournament lineup. He didn't play cash again this week. And uh, then we'll look at Dober 03. But Zach, you're back there. You're doing all the hard stuff uh, behind the screen here. I got to bring you on because I'm not wearing Washington colors, but everybody who watches this show, by the way, if you're watching already, hit the like button. Uh, everybody who watches this show knows, Zach, that you're a Washington Commanders fan and you have been your whole life. And they know that I'm a Washington Commanders fan and that I've been my whole life. And the one thing we know, Zach, as Washington Commanders fans, is that we never win games like yesterday. It just doesn't happen. You know, pre-flop, we're always a big dog and we usually embarrass ourselves. Post-flop, we might be in the game for maybe a quarter or two if we're not getting embarrassed right away. But we find a way to lose in usually the third or fourth quarter. What is your response to being a 500 team and for the record, almost knocking off, probably should have knocked off the Vikings last week, the same Vikings team that went into Buffalo and won and has only lost one time this year. I mean, you beat the Eagles. You almost beat Minnesota. You're 500 in a very tough division. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is an above average football team, right? Yeah, I completely agree. But yesterday just felt different because obviously a couple of years ago, we did knock off the 11 no Steelers, but they kind of stunk. Um, so I don't know if, we just have some great or Ron Rivera just knows how to beat undefeated teams from the state of Pennsylvania, but that might be something for another day. But yesterday just kind of felt different because most times uh, I, I presume you you kind of feel the same way as I do see on this with the current ownership that we have, it's been a very negative outlook over the past 20 years, but with the news that there's a potential sale, that some of the potential suitors yesterday just felt different. It felt like, like optimism for the future like it wasn't like a meaningless win. It was like, okay, this means something. And I was like jumping out of my chair, jumping out of my seat, watching this. I'm like, they're going to beat Philly. They're going to beat this undefeated team right here. Yeah. And it felt like a mo big momentum shift from, from like, obviously they've had a couple wins this season against some teams that are not as great with green Bay and knocking them off. Um, it beat Jacksonville early on. Jacksonville wasn't that great, but beating an undefeated team when they're heavy, heavy underdogs, I think, I think Washington money line was like, plus 400 but mm -hmm. this one just kind of felt different and then knowing that we still don't have chase young on the roster right right and you know what's interesting about that feeling different like we have to kind of cool it a little bit right because as much as we all love taylor heineken he's just so easy to root for he backup. gives you 100 percent of what yeah he is he is a backup so you know the 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 good and bad part of this is we're not bad enough to you know get a great quarterback necessarily next year or the year after for that matter but 
you know, it, it does, there does seem to be optimism, you know, what, you know, the, the way they beat the Eagles, I think that is actually sustainable. Let's assume we have an upgrade in quarterback to some degree next year. And I, again, no disrespect to Taylor Heineke, but there, like, I, I do think there's optimism the way we're playing football, the way our front seven still is pretty good. If we can just improve the back end and maybe get a quarterback, all of a sudden this team could be something Now, those are two huge asks, but before I let you go, before we get to this lineup review, and for the record, we'll pull up one of my two lineups, Cash or GPP, whichever one you, th- what you want to throw up there first. But before we do that, the last personal foul penalty. If you, like, I'm asking you, Zach, I'm asking you, if you are the referee, if you are the official, and you're put in that position where Brandon Graham looks like he's kind of trying to pull up. He, maybe he's maybe he's not, but he's a little confused because, you know, usually you don't see a quarterback kneel in that situation that's sort of what was going on in my head. And for me, I wouldn't have thrown the flag knowing sort of the context of the moment and that there was really no, no maliciousness coming from uh, Graham in that moment. What do you do in that situation? I mean, it's kind of like a freak thing. I, I, I If you look at the way the game strip was going, Washington was going to win that game, barring something incredible happening. But if, you, if, if you're Philly, if you have to rely, if, you, if your only chance of winning a game is relying on the referees not to make that call – you're already out of it. Uh, just one more note on Washington. Did you did you feel like like kind of Terry McLaurin sort of like I don't know like emerged as a, as is now like a got national recognition is like a, he's like a top ten wide receiver now based on like I I don't I didn't think he was play that well against Darius Slay and he was they couldn't they couldn't stop him. Yeah, I, I think he's always been a top 10 mod receiver, but because he's buried on Washington and because Washington doesn't get any positive national attention and they haven't, frankly, they haven't had a quarterback for like, I mean, we're talking like 10, 20 years at this point that, you know, you're just not going to flash if you're Terry McLaurin, unless you get a guy like Taylor Heineke, who's just going to force feed you the ball. I was a little disappointed in myself because the prop on Taylor McLaurin last night was 51 and a half was 49 and a half got juiced up to uh, brought up to 51 and a half. I really liked the over there. Um, and I just hesitated because of Darius Slay, because of James Bradbury. And I should have known. I mean, this is a guy that's enjoying basically half the air yards for Washington since Taylor Heineke's come back. His target share is around 25%, if not more, since last night. He is just getting force-fed the ball. And, and so Terry McLaurin is one of those guys that the matchup doesn't really matter as much because you know the ball is going in his direction. He's going to catch a handful of them. So, yeah, I think Terry McLaurin is definitely a top-10 receiver in this league. Whether he gets that recognition or not, not super important. Maybe it's important for him, but not super important for me because he is that guy. And he's he's a top 10 locker room guy, too. In the entire National Football League, he's a top 10 locker room guy. Okay, enough about the Washington Commanders. I'm sorry. We digressed uh, long enough. Let's get to some uh, – we're going to recap four lineups. We're going to le- recap one of my tournament lineups, a cash lineup, and, of course, we are going to recap Mike's tournament lineup and our winner of the FFT DFS contest, which, by the way, Everybody that's listening, it's live. And it's literally, if you're watching on YouTube, I see you, Michael. I see you, Swavy, Cameron Petrie, uh, Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas, the singer? Um, I hope so. Rob Thomas. You would have said Rob Thomas if it, if it was that. Okay, so the point is, you can check out the YouTube description. The, the link for the contest is in there. If everybody who's listening on the podcast, let's say you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can actually, um, you can see the the link to the con- the FFT DFS contest in there. It's already live. I think we were full. Granted, it's only 200 deep, but I think we were full Friday night last week. So get in there now. It's only Tuesday. You have a few days, but again, if you're listening to my voice right now, go ahead and register for that $5 contest. Um, so let's just get to, uh, let's go ahead and get to my cash lineup here. This is an interesting one because it's not a great cash lineup, to be honest with you. But again, we, we preach this every week. You, you, you only have to have a couple hits to make it in cash. And that's exactly what this lineup had. It led with Justin Fields, and it was fortunate enough to have Christian Kirk. Well, that, you know, that's a wrap, basically, because this one barely got into the cash, but it got into the cash nonetheless. Again, the advantage of cash is you don't have to be perfect. You only have to even have to be close to perfect. So it's Justin Fields, Saquon Barkley, who was okay. Damian Pierce, not so much. Juju Smith-Schuster got injured. Tough luck there. Uh, he was 42% owned in this cash game. That makes sense because he was going to gobble up a ton of targets. Christian Kirk, 34 points. Love that. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I absolutely loved. And frankly, I'm surprised his score isn't higher. 99 receiving yards, five receptions. Obviously, he gets that three-point bonus if he gets one more yard. But honestly, I'm surprised he didn't find the end zone either. He was the target. Uh, if you watch the early edge, uh, if you watch our prop show on, on Friday, which of course is with Dave Richard, prop stars myself, and Jonathan Coachman, this was like my favorite prop. I gave it out at over 43 and a half receiving yards. It was a smash hit. We knew it was going to be a smash hit against the Miami Dolphins. And, and there you are, 67% ownership, 
no real surprise there at 4,300. You know, I, I, I touted Tanner Hudson Tuesday and Thursday. He didn't really get there. And frankly, you didn't really need to play him because you could, you could have just paid up for guys like Cole Komet. Guys in that low 3K range, you know, Evan Ingram was there too. He didn't really exactly come through. But he, Hudson allowed me to do a lot of things at 2,600. So that was sort of the explanation there. Travis Etienne, uh, you know, kind of an obvious play. But then again, in cash, he wasn't necessarily going to get the targets unless the game script went exactly how you thought it was going to go, which would be a, a large deficit. Maybe he gets some receptions that he ordinarily doesn't get. And then I played the Cardinals D at 2,700. Got it. I thought I was getting a little different off the Vikings there, but I think people made a lot of last-minute switches once they knew Josh Allen was there. So that's the lineup. Again, this lineup was okay, but okay is good in cash, right? Like the, I got, I had an injury to Juju. Damian Pierce and Travis Etienne were very underwhelming. Tanner Hudson barely did anything. I only have two fire emojis, and it cashed. I say it every week. You have to play some cash because you can be very imperfect and still have some bankroll coming your way uh, with your cash games, with your double ups specifically. And again, I try to find these double ups that are, you know, a thousand, a thousand deep, a thousand entries deep. I try to make sure they're single entry, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, whatever, a thousand plus. That's kind of where my wheelhouse is. And they're, they're across the board, you know, whether it's a, a $50, a $100, a $5, $10, they're all available. So please make sure you play your pay your um, play your double ups, it's something we preached in our offseason series, maybe allocate 40 to 60% of your bankroll to these double ups. I, I, I strongly recommend that unless you're just like an expert player who is, you know, has the bankroll to just, you know, mass enter a, a lot of high level tournaments. Okay, so that's my cash lineup. My tournament lineup is actually a lot better and it should have been a lot better than it was. So this was a lineup. Um, this, I guess I'm promoting the PME at this point, because this is a lineup again, that was in the PME. If you remember two weeks ago, I finished ninth in that, that Pat Mayo, uh, which I encourage everybody play, play the FFT DFS contest, but also play the PME, uh, a rake free $15 tournament. I think there's 3000 entrants in that one per week, but this one finished eighth and very well could have finished first. There was just one thing I didn't do. So I was playing a lot of Tony Pollard. We talked about Pollard on Thursday that if Ezekiel Elliott isn't playing, me and Mike told everybody, you know, we're definitely playing Pollard. The value was tremendous. So as Saturday rolled around, we kind of knew Ezekiel Elliott wasn't playing. So I actually switched him out, or excuse me, I switched Travis Etienne out in a lot of lineups and I put in Tony Pollard. Well, some lineups I kept Travis Etienne in, especially the lineups that I had a high concentration of or a higher concentration of Chiefs and Jacksonville Jaguars. As you see here, I not only have Etienne, but I have Christian Kirk here as well. I not only have Travis Kelsey, but I have Mar Marquez Valdez Scanling. So my thought was a lot of points on both sides of the ball. And that's why I'm not switching off Travis Etienne here, because I think this game could potentially explode and I could have Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk both go off and I could have MVS and Kelsey both go off. Now, granted, I still wasn't going to play Mahomes there because I thought Fields could outscore Mahomes regardless of whether MVS and Kelsey went off. And, and Mahomes was way more expensive than, than Patrick. Uh, Mahomes was way more expensive than Justin Fields. So that's sort of the justification here. So forgive me if you're listening. Now I'll tell you what the actual lineup was. It was Justin Fields at quarterback, smashed, obviously. Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne. We see snowflakes there. Christian Kirk. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Cole Komet, Travis Kelsey, Vikings D. We are, at this point, the FFT DFS crew, me and Mike, we're, we're pretty much infamous for doing this. these two tight end sets. We did it a lot last year because uh, Mike convinced us to do it when the time was right. And we do it all the time this year, too. Not just in, you know, not just in tournaments, but sometimes in cash games, too. And it really worked out. It would have worked out better if Kelsey had a smash game. But you see what Cole Komet did. And remember, remember our cheat sheet where Mike's stack, his favorite stack on the cheat sheet. Now, you know, on Thursdays, he gives out his top three at each position, but our cheat sheet had a stack of Justin Fields to Cole Komet. How did that work out for everybody? I'll wait. It worked out pretty well, right? And, and if you remember, listen, I, we don't always hit these, right? Like the, there's not, it, we don't have a hundred percent hit rate, but remember who my fade was? It was Derrick Henry. And how did Derrick Henry's game go? So these cheat sheets, like pay attention to them. Like you can disagree with them and not play some of these plays on the cheat sheet. I totally get it. There have been times where, where our fades have been epic fails, but more often than not, our stacks are hitting. Uh, my stack, I believe, was to, uh, to Jalen Waddle, which, you know, was, wasn't great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as I thought it would be because Trent Sherfield got into the mix, right? We love the Dolphins because they're, well, for a lot of reasons, but because of the concentration share to Waddle, 
to Tyreek Hill. Well, a third receiver kind of got in the mix there. And of course, Jeff Wilson is doing a lot of damage now with the Dolphins too. So we have to kind of maybe look at that with a, a slightly different lens. But yeah, this is a 202 point lineup, finished eighth place out of 3000. Again, if I make the switch from Pollard to uh, to ETN or from ETN to Pollard, which I did in a lot of my lineups, I just didn't do it in this one, then this ends up coming in second place and it's it's like 0.1 or 0.2 away from first place. That was the quick math I did. So instead of 250, it's $3,000 and it's 0.2 away from 5,000. There's nothing game breaking about this lineup, right? There's nothing that says, oh man, I, I can't believe I didn't think of that guy. Like we all thought of these guys. This isn't like anything groundbreaking. I, I, I played Justin Fields, which I didn't play him across all lineups, mind you. I played a lot of two. I played a little bit of Patrick Mahomes. I played the obvious chalk Barkley and Etienne. Instead of playing a third running back or receiver, I played the two tight ends set, which of course worked out because of commit. And then I, the, my, my value receivers were in these high-end games. There's really nothing special about this lineup at all. And it almost, almost got there for a takedown. If you remember in this very tournament, I finished ninth a couple of weeks ago and eighth this time. So maybe, maybe fifth in a couple of weeks, who knows? All right. So let's move on to Mike's tournament lineup. As you all know, he hasn't played cash over the last two weeks, and I forgot to ask him why he's not playing cash at this juncture. But no worries, because we are actually going to talk about cash plays and tournament plays on Thursday. I'm going to make it a point to make sure we uh, – and I think it's it's somewhat obvious to some people, and we, we do point it out here and there. But I'll make make it a point to uh, talk about cash game plays and tournament plays or, or ones that cross over. A lot of these are crossover plays because you can kind of get away with playing the chalk in um, NFL DFS to, to a very large degree. Um, hit that like and subscribe from Jay Metz. Who is that, that profile picture? Jay, can you tell us who that is? It, I can't 100% tell. I think I know who that is, but let us know who that is. Um, or is that you? Maybe, maybe it's you. It looks like somebody famous. Um, hit like and subscribe. Yeah, everybody who's watching, and we got a decent amount of people watching, but I don't, you know, we have way more people watching than have hit the like button. The like button is really helpful for me personally for this show, for this brand. If you haven't already reviewed the podcast, Please review it. And again, go ahead and register for the FFT DFS contest. Mike's tournament lineup. Well, this is pretty good, right? Justin Fields, Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Cole Komet. Here's the two tight end set without Kelsey. Cole Komet, Foster Moreau, and the Cardinals defense. So this really worked out. You, you remember... You remember Mike's contrarian play on the cheat sheet, and it was one of his top three that he gave out at the end of Thursday's show, was Alvin Kamara. I wasn't super interested in that, but you know, it certainly could have worked out. It just you, We didn't see the type of point production that we thought we, we might see from New Orleans. And Kamara just hasn't. He's been a little flat the last two games. I will note that when we did our final bets show on the early edge, we did see this total kind of going down, which did intimidate me even more from Alvin Kamara, from guys like Chris Olave, who I didn't play at all. So just something to consider. You know, sometimes these totals go down, whether it's weather-related or just scheme-related or inactive-related. You know, when you see totals go down from, let's say, like 40 to 38 and a half or, you know, something like that, it is something to at least take note of. Uh, anyway, so uh, this lineup was great. You know, Tyreek Hill and Kamara could have been better. I expected Tyreek. I think everybody expected Tyreek Hill to be better, but we were huge on Amon Ross St. Brown and 119 receiving yards, uh, two rushing yards, but he gets the 100-yard bonus. This this game probably should have 10 receptions. It probably should have even been better. You know, we're, we're waiting for the Amon Ross St. Brown explosion where he gets a game like this and he lands in the end zone. But if you look at his target share over the last few weeks, he's getting all the targets. It's just a matter of time, and we'll, we'll talk about him when we go to our early look in just a couple minutes, but it's just a matter of time where Amon Ross St. Brown has that Tyreek Hill type game. It's It's going to happen as long as that ankle stays healthy, which is which is another question that we'll have to monitor as each of these weeks go by. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, love the play there. The only the only miss here, I don't even, like Tyreek Hill's not a bad play. The only miss here, I, I think maybe he got a little stubborn on Alvin Kamara, especially knowing that his ownership was starting to creep up. I think you probably, he probably could have pivoted somewhere else, um, maybe to one of the, one of the running backs that we talked about in, in my lineup. But yeah, he had Cole Komet and Justin Fields. He told you that's what he was playing. He he put it out on his cheat sheet. So I, again, I remind you that we put this cheat sheet out for a reason. Not to follow it blindly, but when you saw Justin Fields last week at 6,500 and you were probably going to play one of the low 3K uh, tight ends anyway, 
Komet certainly made a lot of sense. It's certainly, you don't have to stack Justin Fields. You don't ever have to do that, in my opinion, necessarily. But stacking him with Darnell Mooney and Oracle Komet certainly makes sense. And for the record, it makes sense this week, too. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. So that's Mike's tournament lineup. You see here, rank 192 at 1,400 bucks. Um, very, very solid showing. Very solid score, 175. Let's go to the most solid showing. And that's, of course, our FFT DFS contest winner. None other than... Dober, Dober, Dober 03 reminds me of Dover, Dover, Delaware, where I was born. Fun fact, Sienna Jab, who speaks in the third person suddenly, uh, was born in Dover, Delaware. Does anybody know anybody who was born in Dover, Delaware besides me? Because normally the answer is no. Justin Fields, a very big yes to him. We've been big on him before it was cool to be big on him. That's my story, at least. We've been big on him for a few weeks, and he just keeps producing. Now, there was reason to come off of Justin Fields this week, which is why I didn't jam him into every lineup like I did two weeks ago. There certainly was cause to maybe jump off him because you knew how popular he was going to be. And frankly, it's Justin Fields, okay? This isn't this isn't Patrick Mahomes. This is not, you know, Michael Vick, Joe Montana. Like, there are going to be games where, where, where Justin Fields, you know, doesn't have like the the great game but the rushing floor has been so good so even when the passing yards aren't there the rushing floor is there but here we had the rushing floor we had the rushing ceiling again and we had some passing yards 167 passing yards for justin fields it's not low that's pretty good actually he gets the 100 yard rushing bonus too which is just fantastic anyway they end up losing the game to the detroit lions interesting there but justin fields we went over him dober at running back had barkley and pierce then he had Christian Watson. Christian Watson was a really sneaky play. I started to come around to him on Saturday night. I was on the radio. I was on Sirius XM. We had a guest on who has actually been on our offseason series. I mentioned him last week too, Nick Bretwish. He was pretty big on, on Christian Watson. And it makes sense. You know, not a lot of people were looking at Christian Watson because, you know, it was a little eerie. Like we didn't really know, did he have a concussion? Did he not have a concussion? We found out he didn't have a concussion early last week, but we still weren't exactly sure how he was going to fit into the rotation. But clearly, you know, a starting receiver, he didn't get a ton of targets, but he got high value targets. And he clearly has the trust of, of Aaron Rodgers, which makes sense, right? They poured a lot of draft capital on Christian Watson. So from here on out, I expect Christian Watson to be a, a total gamer, a, a guy that's going to get high value targets and probably get more than four targets per game. So I think that's a super sneaky play from Dober. Um, we might have mentioned him on Thursday, but frankly, we didn't mention him enough. You know, guilty as charged there. That super, super great play there. Tyree Kill at 40% uh, didn't really get there. That's okay. Amon Ross St. Brown, Brown certainly did get there. And this is lovely. A two tight end set. I mean, how many uh, FFT DFS? We're like the two tight end podcast at this point. Everywhere I look, everybody's playing two tight ends and it's working out. Okay. It's, it's not about. It's not about what the return is on these two tight ends necessarily, although you want it to be high. It's about what you can do with the rest of your lineup when you have uh, these two tight ends and how your roster construction is different because of the two tight ends. Uh, Harrison Bryant, interesting choice there, uh, but he still, you know, he didn't get you there, but he didn't destroy you either. Um, he got a, a touchdown, which really got Harrison Bryant uh, over the top there. So great lineup. Again, Justin Fields, Saquon Barkley, Damian Pierce, Christian Watson, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Cole Komet, Harrison Bryant, and then, of course, Cardinals D. I was all in on either the Cardinals D or the Minnesota D. When I found out Josh Allen was playing, I tried to pivot off of the Vikings D as much as I could. Keep in mind, I hand-build, right? And I have I only had one cash lineup last week, but I had, I'm ballparking it, 8 to 10 tournament lineups. And so I had to kind of go in and, and, and try to switch off the Vikings, but I still had to play the Vikings in a lot. And we got lucky, right? Because we we, we had some defensive opportunities, defensive touchdowns that uh, that got us there. So, that worked out quite well. Good. Congratulations to Dober03. The FFT DFS contest is open as we speak. But now, now's the fun part, everybody. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. 
I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Now we get to the week 11 slate. So first of all, I'll say it just one last time as I look at who's watching. Oh, we have a lot of people watching. Everybody hit the like button, please. Everybody who has not hit the like button, and there are a number of you, please hit the like button. For the record, if you don't see it, pull the chat down. If, like, if you're watching on your phone, sometimes you don't see it. Just pull the chat down, like hit the X or whatever, and then hit the like button, pull the chat right back up. All right, week 11 slate. This is a really interesting one because a lot of high-profile teams are either on a buy, like the Dolphins, for example, Bucks, Seahawks, well, not the Bucks, really, Seahawks, um, or the high-profile games are, you know, Thursday night. There's some high-profile teams Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. So we don't have a lot of high-profile teams here. So again, the bye weeks are the Jags, the Dolphins, the Bucks, and the Seahawks. Let me go over, you know, we've got the screen up, which is perfect. We'll, we'll keep it here, but let me go over some of the high totals. And what I what I consider to be high totals for this week. Totals that might not seem super high, but games that I'm interested in and they're high enough. Okay, let's start with the Lions at the Giants. That is a 46-point total. Giants favored by three. So that feels like a close game, right? That's the back and forth that we're typically looking for. Eagles at Colts, total of 45. Philly favored by six and a half there. Seems a little high, to be honest with you. Uh, we got the Bears at the Falcons. That's a 50-point total. Atlanta favored by three. I think that's an interesting line as well, Atlanta by three. Uh, Cowboys at the Vikings, 47.5-point total. Dallas favored by one, again, at Minnesota. Dallas coming off that, that pretty bad loss to the Green Bay Packers. The one thing to point out about the four games that I just noted is that three of them are in domes. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks now because we're getting into kind of cold season, precipitation season, some, some wind that we might have to contend with in these sort of colder months. And I do think it's really important to pay attention to the dome games. I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, like the totals are reflective of the dome curated atmospheres because three, again, three of these four games are in domes. That would be the Eagles at the Colts, the Bears at the Falcons, the Cowboys at the Vikings. Those are, those are the three dome games on the main slate, 11 game main slate. Those are the three games. And therefore those games are going to be popular, not just because they're in domes, but that certainly helps. Those might be the three most popular stacks. Like looking at it now, they will be for sure. And I'm, I'm ballparking it, of course, but those will be lines and giants will be somewhat behind that. I'll note that the bills have a very high implied total. It is 26 points, which for the record is puts them as of right now on Tuesday, puts them second from an implied total standpoint. Behind the Falcons, yes, the Falcons, 26.75, Bills 26, Eagles 25.5, and then Dallas, the Giants, and the Chicago Bears are right around that 24 range, 24-ish and change range. But I do want to mention the Bills because they do have a high implied total, but that's a game to monitor. I think Josh Allen's healthy. It looks like he, he got out of that game unscathed as it relates to his elbow injury. But there's very likely to be snow in that game. Like precipitation is almost like a definite, although it's Tuesday. So like, let's see, but it looks like right now there's like an 80, 90% chance of precipitation and that it will be snow. I don't know that you necessarily have to back off any bills players because of that, or the passing game for that matter, but it's something to monitor because if it's slippery and if the wind picks up there, there may or may not be an argument to maybe fade some of these guys. The, 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 the total in that game is only 43 and a half too. So it's not super appealing. But again, for the Bills, we're looking at the implied total for them only. And it's very high. It's the second highest total. I can tell you, Mike on Thursday will have a lot to say about the weather and how it will affect this game because Mike is kind of our weather guy. He's the weather guy for sports line, really. Like when he, when he gives out baseball picks, he's always factoring in the wind, the weather, all of that stuff. So he's kind of like our expert there. So we'll wait for Thursday on that. But let's go to the QBs now that I got all that out of the way. So there's a handful of QBs I like here. I mean, I, you know, Josh Allen, not a super big fan because of what I just said, but let's monitor ownership. If for some reason ownership is going to be low, I mean, this Cleveland defense can absolutely get exposed. And, you know, I, I think guys like Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Stefan Diggs, they're viable any particular game even in precipitation. But for now, I'm just not, I'm not paying the 8,500 for Josh Allen. We'll see how ownership shakes out. I do like Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson at home. The weather doesn't seem to be a big problem in Baltimore. It looks like forties across the board. We got a lot of games like in the forties with like 10 to 15 mile per hour wins, nothing really to, to worry about. Um, Baltimore has a 28 in, in point implied total. Excuse me. Baltimore has the highest implied total. So let me back up. I talked about all those implied totals. It's Baltimore, and then it's all of those teams. So just to be clear, 
Baltimore has a 28-point implied total. Then it's Atlanta, the Bills, the Eagles, and then Dallas, the Giants, and Chicago. They're, they're all in that 24-ish range, those last three. So Baltimore has the highest implied total. And I, you know, I think this could be a, a great Lamar Jackson game, frankly. I think Mark Andrews is going to be back as well. And so that's certainly going to help Lamar Jackson's cause. We got to see what, you know, what the running back room is going to look like with, with Gus Edwards and and um obviously Kenyon Drake and, and some of those other Justice Hill, for example. But yeah, I, I like the implied total here. I like Lamar Jackson. You know, um, we know we're not going to have Rashad Bateman, but he's been peppering his other receivers. We know Isaiah likely is also in the mix, even if Mark Andrews is out. But yeah, I like Lamar Jackson at home here at 8,400. I think there's enough value on this slate to play guys like Lamar Jackson or to play guys like uh, Josh Allen if you want to pay up. But Jalen Hurts is another guy at 8,200 at Indy. Now, this is a banged up Indy defense too. It continues to be a banged up Indy defense. They have been a pretty solid defense, but I do think Jalen Hurts at 8,200 in kind of a bounce back spot makes a ton of sense here. The only problem I have with Jalen Hurts and these Eagles in general is that the game plan going in against the Eagles has been to just pound the rock, just run the ball on the Eagles. They don't have Jordan Davis. He's going to continue to be on IR. And I, you know, I don't see why the game plan would be any different unless you just, unless the Eagles just pounce on them, like they've been known to do. And you got a negative game script. So that's something to consider with Jalen hurts, but I think Jalen hurts, you know, stacking him with the receiver. Dallas Goddard's going to be out. He's going to be out for a while, but stacking him with potentially A.J. Brown. Maybe you run it back with Jonathan Taylor. And we can get off this screen, Zach. Let's go to um, Justin Fields because I, I think people will want to uh, will want to talk about Justin Fields. Now, he's 7,600. And so you're probably thinking, well, 7,600, he's at Atlanta. Man, it's gone from 5,300 to 6,500 to 7,600. Yeah, it's probably still too cheap. You know, I like, listen, uh, he's he's Justin Fields. So you know, that's not, I, I, I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I'm saying like, w- we can set the bar high and know that he's going to fall flat. So like, if, if there's a game in the next couple of games where Justin Fields doesn't have a good game, he's not suddenly bad again. You know, it's like the, it's like the two of Justin Herbert conversation that I keep seeing uh, on Twitter. It's like, we see a four game sample size from somebody and we're like, oh, he sucks now. And then we see a four game sample size from another guy. And we're like, oh, he sucks now. We're, we're two years prior. We were like, that guy sucks. And that guy's great. And then it flips because of four game sample size and, and, and variables and intangibles that are completely different across both of uh, both teams. So I don't like to do the comparison shopping necessarily, but I, what I will point out is Justin Fields will have like a pedestrian game at some point, but it's probably not this week at Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta can't rush the passer. They, excuse me, rush the passer. They can't rush the passer. They're terrible in the secondary. They can't cover. Like, what? What's the reason that Justin Fields is not is not going to have a a great game? I, like, I, I don't really get it. And for the record, I, I do want to point out that Khalil Herbert is on IR. I know we're not at the running back portion yet, but David Montgomery likely to be a popular play. I think you could potentially play Justin Fields with David Montgomery and just try to gobble up all the points because we know David Montgomery is going to like gobble up all the rushing attempt and, and reception shares in the backfield. That's probably not the way I'll go, but there there have been occasions where I've played a quarterback and running back in what I believe to be a high scoring game and, and a high implied total for the team I like, and I just I just assure myself all the points. I'm more likely to pair Justin Fields again with Cole Komet or Darnell Mooney uh, because I like their prices still, but it's something interesting to, to consider. And again, this Atlanta defense. The only problem with this game is if Atlanta just takes the air out of the ball, which of course they do, and if they're successful with the running game then you do potentially limit possessions with the Chicago Bears and maybe this game doesn't explode like uh like the sports books thinks it will think it will which again Bears at Falcons it's a 50 point total. Uh next on the list for me I'm going to skip right over Joe Burrow cuz I you know I think he's he's okay to speculate on maybe in a bigger tournament but not super interested. I know Pittsburgh's secondary is pretty bad and they can get exposed but Let's go to Dak Prescott at 6,600. This is a very high total game. It's a pretty high implied total for both teams. Again, 47.5. Dallas is favored by one. I wouldn't be shocked if this if this total goes up a little bit, but the Vikings have a bad pass defense. And this isn't the Dak of old where the defense is really bad for Dallas. And then, you know, he has to like, you know, before the ankle injury, that's what Dallas was. Now they have a very solid defense, but this game could absolutely have a back and forth. And Dak, whether Zeke is healthy or not, I don't think that matters. Dak may have to rely on the passing game uh, largely here, where he hasn't necessarily had to do that. Remember, against the the Packers, you know, they're a run funnel. Like, you can run on the Packers, which is why Tony Pollard was such a good play. And frankly, Pollard probably should have had an an even better game. But 
I could absolutely absolutely see stacking Dak with CD Lamb here, or stacking Dak with CD Lamb and Dalton Schultz, you know, something like that, or try to get really crazy and do CD Lamb and Michael Gallup, who's starting to pick up a, a few more targets. So I think that should be on everybody's radar. Do I prefer Dak over Justin Fields? No. Do I think I'm getting a huge ownership discount on Dak this week? Well, yeah, maybe as it relates to Justin Fields, but I think he's still going to be somewhat popular. I don't think it's going to be a big secret that you can pass on Minnesota. This is a high total and that Dak is probably going to be peppering CeeDee Lamb quite a bit. So I do think it's a good play. Let's wait to see on ownership. But you know, in terms of my second or third favorite running back or quarterback, I don't think Dak is there. But he's he's probably third or fourth, not not first or second. Like as I see it right now, it's probably Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. Maybe Jalen Hurts enters that conversation, and then it's Dak Prescott for me. If we're talking about lower priced quarterbacks, I'm not sure I'm going to play any of these guys, but I think it's worth mentioning them. Marcus Mariota at 5,500. Again, he doesn't pass the ball a lot. He looked really bad last game, but there have been pop spots for him where he's passed it a little bit, but he's also gotten some, you know, some rushing yards. I do fear that if he has another bad couple quarters, we could see Desmond Ritter. But again, in a high total game that could have a, a pretty good back and forth. Remember, this this in this total is 50. Uh, I think 5,500, you know, you could probably speculate on that. Am I playing that in my single entry tournaments? Probably not. Uh, Jared Goff at 5,400 at the New York Giants. Uh, weather shouldn't be a problem here. This is a reasonably high total. Jared Goff potentially in a negative game script. So something to consider there. Again, these are plays, maybe you're saving salary, which you may not need to do as much in uh, in this particular week uh, week 11. But if you want to speculate in, in a big tournament and just be really different, I think Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown and running it back with Saquon Barkley. You don't, don't run it back with the receiver if you don't want to. Um, like you could play like Darius Slayton if you want and just try to like smash there. But I, I think you could do that run back with Saquon Barkley, who's just getting all the rushing attempts. Saquon had 35 rushing attempts last week. That's like borderline like negligence, in my opinion. I'm being a little facetious there, but 35 rushing attempts, like what are we doing, guys? Like maybe like 30, like I don't know. I just let's let's take care of uh, Saquon Barkley if we could. Uh, other two guys to mention Taylor Heineke 5,300 he's at Houston they're just going to run the ball in Houston so not super interested there I thought it was worth mentioning and Matt Ryan at 5,200 at home against Philadelphia so here's what's going to happen here people are going to play Jonathan Taylor people are going to play maybe AJ Brown maybe Jalen Hurts stacks with you know Jonathan Taylor on the run back maybe Paris Campbell there might be some interesting sort of combos there if you really wanted to get different ignore Jonathan Taylor and just assume somehow the Eagles are going to stop the run and do a Matt Ryan stack with Paris Campbell or Matt Ryan with Paris Campbell and Pittman or Matt Ryan with just Pittman. whatever it is, people aren't going to be playing Matt Ryan. So you can kind of double leverage the field, right? If you don't play Jonathan Taylor, which is that's the expectation as to where the production is going to come and you play Matt Ryan with the receiver, not something I would ever do in a single entry, but it's something to consider maybe in some larger tournaments where you might be firing like a single bullet off in, in, into something. Uh, Worth considering. Very, very contrarian. Uh, let's go to running back now. Uh, and again, we're going to have way more on quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends uh, during our uh, Thursday game-by-game preview with Mike McClure. I know everybody really enjoys that show. And I, and I know from the screenshots and the tweets that we saw on Sunday and some personal messages that I've received that people are really enjoying just the game-by-game preview in general. The the, the roster construction that we 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 always talk each game. We're talking about roster construction, not just the plays we like. That's, that's really important. Like, okay, we like the game. We like this guy, but, but how are we playing this guy? I I always make it a point to ask myself and to ask Mike McClure, like, okay, well, I understand you like this chiefs Jacksonville game, but what do you do? Like you, you like Kelsey and like Mahomes. Well, what else are you doing? Are you, are you at And remember MVS was a big, like kind of third piece into that game for, for Mike. And we both like Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne. So there was, there's different ways to construct your lineups. I think the, the shows that just tell you that the good plays are, those are good shows too, but I think they're doing you a little bit of a disservice by not talking to you about lineup construction and stuff like that. So that, that game by game preview is great. And I know everybody enjoys Mike's top three because that's, that's like that's like headline information, in my opinion. And then, of course, we have our cheat sheet that we do on Thursday as well. But running backs, okay, Barkley, 8,900 at home versus Detroit. I mean, am I supposed to argue against Saquon Barkley? I, I think he's affordable this week. I think Barkley, when he was 8,600 last week, was borderline not affordable because of the stat. And I played him across the board. I made it affordable because I played some low-end guys. But 
This week, you're going to find some more value. This week, it's going to be easier to play Saquon, which is probably why he's he's probably going to be really chalky, and, I, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm, I'm okay with playing a somewhat popular Saquon Barkley, who, again, is getting all the rushing attempts. He's not getting much passing work because they're just giving him the ball. They're just handing it off to him. But 35 rushing attempts, he had one reception on one target at home versus Detroit. Um, you can't really get much of a better matchup than at home versus Detroit. So really, really like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, excuse me, uh, Saquon Barkley, but Jonathan Taylor is the next guy I want to talk about. 7,800, which is a pretty reasonable price um, at home versus the Eagles. And the Eagles shouldn't seem like a daunting matchup to people because again, without Jordan Davis, that's all people are doing. And at, at some point, the Eagles are going to get frustrated with that. And they're just going to like really stack the box and try to stop whether it was Brian Robinson yesterday or Jonathan Taylor next week or whoever they play the following week, like this is a problem. Like they, like the time of possession was a joke. The defense was on the field the entire time and everybody knew what they were doing. They knew they were basically running Brian Robinson up the middle. And for the record, no disrespect, but Brian Robinson, we're not exactly talking about, you know, Saquon Barkley here. He hasn't been an efficient runner at all this entire season. And yet Three yards, four yards, five yards. He was just, you know, eat. so th- this is going to be the game plan. So again, that's why maybe at least in one of your tournaments, maybe you throw a Matt Ryan stack in there to Paris Campbell because Paris Campbell in particular, I think he's going to be playing more slot than, than you'll see from Alec Pierce and uh, and Michael Pittman. We saw on the 35-yard touchdown that that uh, Paris Campbell caught, and we'll get to Paris Campbell in a second, but you can expose the, the, the Eagles in the slot. Avante Maddox is probably not playing in this next game. I'm not 100% sure about that, but if he's not, that's where you would expose. So if they do stack the box, if they do try to, to make sure Jonathan Taylor doesn't get the yardage and eat up clock like Brian Robinson did and everybody else that's played the Eagles over the last two weeks, well, then guess what? Matt Ryan's going to have some, some really good looks. And, and I think that's just, again, a very interesting play, not something I'm doing in – you know, most of my tournaments, but but I'll have a Matt Ryan lineup for sure. Um, JT, I do like, there's not a lot of running backs I love on this slate. I'll be honest with you, at least not yet. We know how this works, right? Because value opens up, um, injury designations, you know, kind of come to fruition as Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice reports come. So I'm not going to go too deep into the running backs, but I do want to point out Devin Singletary at 5,800. Devin Singletary at home versus Cleveland. Boy, can you run on Cleveland. This is a very bad run defense. It's a pretty bad defense in general, but it's a really bad. It's, it's pro football folks' worst rush-rated defense. Um, they're allowing almost five yards per carry, which certainly isn't worse than the league, but it's, you know, it's up there. And Devin Singletary continues to get a good amount of work. 13 carries for 47 yards. That's, I, you know, I've seen better, but that was against Minnesota. And eight carries for 24 yards. I've seen better, but that was at the New York Jets. Now, Against Green Bay, who you can run on 14 for 67, that that is better. And I think that's the type of production you're going to see against the um against uh the Cleveland uh Browns. So I do like Devin Singletary this week. Um, not much else to say, especially in the bad conditions. I think they lean on Devin Singletary both in the passing game and the running game a little bit more than normal. Uh Brian Robinson at 5,300. This is the other running back I like, and then and then we'll move on. So I think. And we can pull up Brian Robinson's game log too. Again, Brian Robinson at 5,300. He plays at Houston. Okay, so this is, we, we all know this is a really good matchup, right? And he's getting all the carries. Now, the efficiency, like when I, five seconds ago when I told you about his efficiency, let's just take a look at this 3.3. This is yards per carry 3.3, 3.4, 2.5, 3.7, 3.5. Yet to eclipse. Can you go down to week five? I think that was his first week playing. And again, if you're not watching us on YouTube, yeah, week five, 2.4 yards per carry. So this is a highly inefficient running back. But again, he's playing at Houston. We kind of know what the game plan is for the Washington football team. Yes, I will continue to, to call them that. Um, so I think you could take a shot at Brian Robinson at 5,300. I'm speaking of value, value really. And, and scroll, okay, so receiving, I'm trying to make sure, scroll right to the top there. Again, give us a like on YouTube if you're watching right now. Zero targets, because that's that's because... Antonio Gibson at 5,600, he's the one that's getting some of the targets, although he's not exactly being peppered with a ton of targets either. But I think you could take a flyer in Antonio Gibson, but I think the floor for Brian Robinson is safe because I do expect him to get a touchdown. I think there's touchdown equity here with Brian Robinson because he is getting those red zone, those green zone type touches. And against Houston, I expect him to find the end zone. I think this is going to be a conservative offense. We've seen Taylor Heineke kind of air it out and do these Taylor Heineke things, but 
If he doesn't have to do those things, he's not going to do those things. And so I think Washington's likely to play from a neutral game script at worst. That That's just my assumption here. And so I think you're going to see potentially, you know, 16 to 18 carries from Brian Robinson and at least a touchdown. And even if he remains inefficient, remember, he's 5,300 here. So I did have a question on Twitter earlier from Megan Schaup, who you might that name hopefully rings some bells because she was in our offseason series. And actually she specifically asked about, or didn't ask about, she gave out basically like a, like a laundry list for lack of a better way to say it of things that she could improve on in her DFS experience. She's been doing DFS for quite some time. And you can go back and listen to that podcast because honestly it's, it's evergreen content. We had a lot of evergreen content on our offseason series. And really what that podcast was, was, bad habits and like what bad habits am I going to break out of? And the the problem with not listening to podcasts like that a second or third time, like months later is because what you don't realize, and this is in life too, you fall into your bad habits and you're not even really conscious of them. That's what makes them habits. So like go back to our off season series and pick a couple podcasts. It's very easy to find, like whether it's, um, you know, Nick Brettwich's uh, bankroll management, Andrew Erickson was in here. Again, we had Josh Larkey. We we had Debro. We had um, Chris Spaggs, you name it, we had him in here. Megan Schaup, as I mentioned. And a lot of it is evergreen content. A lot of it will apply to the rest of this year. It'll apply to next year. And you can count on us doing the same exact thing next summer, talking about some of this stuff that really is going to be valuable going into the DFS season because some of these habits uh, we form and we just we just go back to our habits. Groupthink is one of them. Groupthink is a big ticket thing of mine where Everybody just wants to be on the same play because they 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 find comfort in that. And you, you can't do that. You can kind of do that in NFL a little bit, but you can't do it a lot. And so, um, you know, consider what plays you like and kind of try to stick to it. So Antonio Gibson versus Brian Robinson. I would go Brian Robinson there. I'd save the 300 and I'm getting the touchdown equity, but I don't mind Antonio Gibson, particularly in tournaments. I think he absolutely could get loose against Houston and he's certainly the more dynamic runner. So uh, it's almost a tie between those two. I will be playing uh, both of those guys across some of my tournaments uh, this this particular week. Let's move to wide receiver before we close out with tight end. And Zach, I believe we had a tight end question. Uh, and forgive me if I'm uh, if I'm catching you flat footed here as you transition to wide receivers, but I think we might have had a tight end DFS question. Oh, is Higby chalk without Cup or would McBride? This is from Chargy sixty five. Is Higby chalk without Cup or would McBride at twenty nine hundred be the play? Interesting question. So I have three tight ends that I like that, that we'll get to. I think McBride is okay at that price. Part of me says, you know, he'll be a little too speculative, but the other part of me says he is going to be the tight end to supplant Ertz. That doesn't mean he's going to get the target share that Ertz gets, but at that price, I think you can play Trey McBride. We'll get to that once we get to the tight end portion of the show, but which will be in just a couple minutes. But it's a good question. And Higby Chalk, he will get peppered with targets. There's no question about that. But I, I don't know how much the Rams are going to move the ball. So, you know, I think Higby is a good cash game play. I don't know that I'm going to play him in tournaments. So, again, uh, very good question. Both of those guys should be on our list to some degree. But let's go to wide receiver. Justin Jefferson at home against Dallas. I like that matchup quite a bit. Justin Jefferson is, is matchup proof. And he's not exactly going up against, you know, a top five defense anyway. I think you can afford Justin Jefferson this week. I don't think you have to stack him with Kirk Cousins. In fact, I'm not going to be stacking him with Kirk Cousins. Love Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's he's good for two touchdowns and 150 yards, you know, any given Sunday. That doesn't mean that's going to be the median score for him, but it's just he he's always good for that breakout potential. So I love him. A.J. Brown, I think, is interesting at Indianapolis, only if his ownership is really low. I think a Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown stack makes a lot of sense. CeeDee Lamb, I talked about at 7,500. Like him quite a bit at Minnesota. Great matchup for the Cowboys for the passing game. Dak is going to be stacked up with CeeDee Lamb quite a bit. I think the question becomes, what else do you do with that stack, if anything? Do you throw uh, a value Michael Gallup in there? Do you throw Dalton Schultz in there? I really like that. Amon Ross St. Brown at 7,200. Again, another guy that that is a very solid play. And we can, Justin Jefferson, we can come off of this and go to um, scroll down. Zach to some of these receivers Higgins at 7,100, I think is interesting. I, I, you know, he's averaging eight plus targets over his last four games. Jamar chase is still not uh, going to be playing. So I think Higgins and Boyd are interesting. I think if you play Higgins, I, I almost think you'll just play him with Joe Burrow and you just hope Joe Burrow has one of those games against a Pittsburgh defense that you can absolutely expose. So I, I think 
Higgins is fine, but at that price, I think I might just prefer to play him with the 6,800 Burrow and just see what happens with that stack. And, and as far as bringbacks, no thank you. Like, that's going to be my stack. It's, I'm not going to bring it back with Pickens. I'm not going to bring it back with Deontay. Maybe with Jalen Warren, if Najee Harris sits out, he's having some knee issues. We'll see about that. But if Jalen Warren is the guy, then, then I'm happy to just bring it back with a value in Jalen Warren. Um, other receivers I like sort of in this, this higher range, Cortland Sutton should be pretty popular. I'm not a Sutton guy, never have been. I was always a Judy guy, but it doesn't look like Judy's going to play. So I think Sutton has a really nice matchup, and he has a really nice price at 6000 against uh, – who do they play? They play the Raiders, right? Scroll down to 6000 on Cortland Sutton. Let me just verify that, Zach. Um, there we go. Yeah, Denver's at home against the Raiders. The Raiders are just buckling at this point, and, and Sutton should get a tremendous target share. So tremendous value there. Allen Robinson, I don't think I'm going to go there even without Cooper Cup. He's 5600 Darnell Mooney, I will go there. 5400 you know, the targets are really up and down over his last five games, four, eight, five, six, 12. You're hoping that he can somehow be in that seven to eight target range. And then at 5,400, if he's even somewhat efficient with those targets, uh, he could really get downfield uh, on this team, on the Atlanta Falcons. And this is the type of game where, listen, the game script might be a little different than we think. Atlanta could really suck the air out of the ball and really dominate the time of possession against the Bears. But if that doesn't happen, if the reverse is true, don't be surprised if Darnell Mooney has six or seven catches and, you know, 110 yards and, and a touchdown or two. Like, I, I don't think it's outside of the range of outcomes against this secondary for Darnell Mooney or a guy like Cole Komet to completely go off. Uh, Michael Gallup, I mentioned at 5,100. I like him. Darius Slayton at 5,000. Very speculative. If you want to just get unique in a Giants Detroit build, I think Slayton is interesting. Caught three or four targets last week. Certainly is the deep threat. Uh, Garrett Wilson at 4,900. At New England, kind of like that. He's getting all the targets. Um, Elijah Moore will be in the game plan, I think, this week. They are moving him to the slot, and he's 4,000. So I think that's an interesting sort of speculative play. I don't mind it. But there's other interesting speculative plays in the 4K range. Namely, well, I mentioned Garrett Wilson, but Paris Campbell, 4,300 at home against Philadelphia. I told you why I liked Paris Campbell, especially with Matt Ryan being the quarterback. Seven of nine targets last week for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 35-yard touchdown, you know, again, from the slot, which that would be the place to potentially pick on the Philadelphia Eagles. Love the target share. Nico Collins at 4,100. Five of 10 targets, not super efficient. He never has been super efficient, but five of 10 targets, 49 yards and a touchdown, and he gets Washington secondary. Listen, Washington looked good last night, but this is not a good secondary. And Nico Collins at 4,100. If you don't think he can get 80 yards and a touchdown in six catches, you, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what you're looking at here because Nico Collins is getting the targets and he's going up against a terrible secondary and he's 4,100. Uh, this is a, I've mentioned his name uh, once or twice now, but this is a Nick Brettwich special. He is, he's one of um that he's at Sticks Picks by the way, great follow. He is um, a Nico Collins truther and this might be this game might be the truth for him. I mentioned Elijah Moore at 4,000. The only other guy I want to mention. Kendall Hinton at 3,600 at home against the Raiders. Again, with no Jerry Judy, Hinton was on the field a lot after that. And he, he gets he gets play regardless, uh, frankly, like a little bit here and there. But without, if, it's, if it's no Jerry Judy, which I highly expect it to be, it's going to be Kendall Hinton and Cortland Sutton on the field quite a bit. So Kendall Hinton at 3,600, man, that allows your lineup to do quite a bit. And so do some of these other low-end receivers. I'm going to look at the questions in a second in the comments. So if you have one, throw it in there before we close the show. But let's go to tight ends real quick. I'm going to name three, but I will add Chargy 65s, two that he mentioned, are very much in the conversation. That would be Trey McBride at 2,900. And of course, Tyler Higby at 4,000. Uh, you know, Higby, I, I really don't love, I just don't love this offense in general. I just think it's a complete disaster. So yeah, he might get some targets, but what are you looking for? Like, if because if you're looking for a cash game guy who's going to get, maybe six catches for 56 yards. Totally cool. But if you're looking for a tournament guy, I just don't think Tyler Higby's that guy because the ceiling game is not going to be there for Tyler Higby. This offense without Cooper Cup, with no running game, a bad offensive line, perhaps a backup quarterback or a starting quarterback that just has, hasn't been that good. I just don't see the upside there. So the three tight ends that I like, Mark Andrews, if he's healthy, which it looks like he's going to be. If not, Isaiah Likely, of course. Dalton Schultz at 4,300, who belongs in... Dak stacks or just independent of Dak stacks. I think you play Dalton Schultz by himself. He's getting, since Dak has been back, he is the guy. Like he is getting the targets like we're used to seeing. And by the way, he's healthy too. He wasn't healthy earlier in the season. So 
he's he's in a really good spot. He has a really high floor, especially in this game. So I like Dalton Schultz. And of course, Cole Komet at 4,100. You know, he's priced up, I think, 700 from last week. No problem. 4,100 is still a, a very good price. And he's going up against an Atlanta Falcons defense that it's going to give up a lot in the passing game specifically. So I like Cole Komet. So let's bring up the chat real quick. Unless, okay, Foster Moreau is down there at 3,700. You know, at Denver, it's okay. I saw Greg Dulcich right above him. I think Dulcich would probably, between those two, I think Dulcich, at, um, go back to to that screen. I think at 30, what was his price? 3,800? I think I'd be more willing. Dulcich came off a flat game last week, but I'd be willing to speculate on Dulcich. I think there's a potential ceiling game against a team like the Raiders who's just isn't very good and might kind of be in give-up mode. I'm not saying the players are giving up, but I just think they might be in a, in a position now where they're just going to let up a lot of big plays. And Greg Dulcich could be, especially without Judy, could be the beneficiary of some extra targets. Um, Zach, do we have any questions that I didn't get to? Again, the last time I'll say it, next time you guys are in here, which will be Thursday at 5 o'clock for our game-by-game preview with Mike McClure, make sure when you get in here, you hit the like button. I haven't even checked to see where. Oh, that's not bad, actually. We're doing okay. we got a lot of people watching, though. So um, I always like to see how high we can get. Okay, so we have... Big Sam Raceway, Diecast Racing League. Okay, if not, maybe Thursday. Basic DFS 101 question. Can you touch on what do you consider as deltas between cash and GPP lineups? Big Sam, can you be more specific with your question? I'll wait. Please feel free to be more specific with your question because I'm not sure I fully understand what you're asking there. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the other question. Also wondering about the Gus bus, Gus the bus. He says, Kevin R., um, it looks like Gus might be back this week. So if so, then I think you could potentially fire him up. But I just don't like the splits there. Kenyon Drake has been very good. And Justice Hill gets some work. So I think in terms of DFS, and maybe that was a redraft question that you were asking, I'm not a big fan of playing uh, Gus this week. Again, that could have been a redraft question, so forgive me without the context there. Uh, Jay Metz, thank you for saying hit that like and subscribe button. And then we got some trade questions here. Oh, this is good from OS. Thank you for your question. In terms of lineup construction, spend up at wide receiver or running back DK GPPs and flex spot wide receiver or running back. Okay, So what you're asking is where do you spend up? So I think what people are going to do I think a lot of people are going to spend up at the running back position and try to take the value, a lot of the value that I talked about at the wide receiver position. I mentioned guys like Paris Campbell, not that he's going to be super popular, but guys like Paris Campbell, Kendall Hinton, um, which I know is a very speculative play, but a very cheap play. Nico Collins. There's some other receivers, like maybe Elijah Moore gets popular because again, he is being moved to the slot. Maybe people want to pay 4,000 for him, Garrett Wilson at 4,900. I think people are going to be less inclined to pay up at wide receiver which for tournaments means, yeah, pay up for the the high-end the, the high running backs if you want, but, but how to be really different would probably be to pay up at wide receiver, frankly, to, talk, to pay up for guys like CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, because people will be so inclined. Now, you can do both. You can pay up for CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson and play, let's say, like, I don't know, like name a player, like Paris Campbell at the third receiver and a receiver in your flex, like a, a guy like Nico Collins or whatever value opens up in the three or four. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds there. And because the value is so good at receiver, you would still be able to potentially fit in those high-end chalky running backs that we talked about, which I'm looking for right now. We got Saquon Barkley. Uh, we got Jonathan Taylor. But there's some value at running back too. I think it's a very interesting slate. I think it's going to come down to what games people really buy into. But I, I'm pretty positive. If I'm thinking there's like three or four really good 4K, if not 3K wide receiver plays, I'm pretty positive a lot of people are going to be playing some value wide receivers. So just keep that in mind. Um, I think you can play chalk running backs. And, and I think we're going to have way more running backs to talk about when Mike gets here, because I only kind of address like five or six running backs. But I think the optimal build will be to pay up at running back get a little bit of value at the receiver position, a little bit of value perhaps at the tight end position and get a great quarterback and a great stack uh, with whatever high-end receiver you want or, you know, whatever, you know, like Justin Jefferson doesn't need to be stacked, but you know what I mean? Like have a couple high-end receivers, have a value receiver or two. You might be getting a little cute if you get two of those like super low-end receivers, but I do think it could work this week. So 
that was a very convoluted way to answer your question. When chasing players for a cash lineup versus a GPP lineup, I st- I'm sorry. Like maybe I'm having a slow day. I still, Big Sam, I, I don't know what you're asking. When choosing players for a cash lineup versus a GPP. Okay. Um, come back Thursday because I, I, I'm sorry. Like I don't understand your question. Um, all right. Do you think any Rams will be viable with cup out? No, not really. I think Higby's fine for cash. I think you could speculate on Allen Robinson at 5,600, but um, yeah, that's it. But uh, Big Sam, as far as your question, uh, cash versus GPP, um, we're going to talk about that a lot more on the uh, on the Thursday game-by-game game preview. So sorry, I couldn't answer your question. Um, that's going to be it. I, Zach, I think that's it. We're under an hour. I'll try to get it to like 45, 50 minutes next week. Um, but everybody, thank you for being in here. I, I noticed a lot of you hit the like button. I really do appreciate that. And uh, again, Thursday, we're going to talk a little bit about showdown, about that showdown game. We usually save that for the end of the show. So keep that in mind for the, sh- the showdown slate. But we, um, we're going to be doing our game-by-game preview on Thursday. And I'm really excited about it. I think this is a really interesting slate because I like there are certain games that I think people just aren't necessarily falling in love with. And I'm really curious. I know there's some of these games I'm already in love with, but I'm really curious to see where Mike McClure's head is at on some of these games, because I think it might sway us a little bit the right direction. We know he's been red hot over the last few weeks. I've been red hot over the last few weeks. So hopefully we see some green screens on uh, on Sunday. All right. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. My name is Sia Najad. We'll see you Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with Mike McClure, our game-by-game preview. Until then, we'll see you next time. docuseries on paramount plus why did he kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named sylvie she's a can model where desire leads to deception i ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day it was addictive i can't get you out and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever control all desire now streaming on paramount plus